Hello, my name is Naranjan, the host of Master of Your Crafts podcast. Learning from leaders who are continuously inspired, passionate, and driven to align with their soul purpose, sharing their gifts to bring healing to others. The music is composed by Rebecca Everett. Today is episode number 54, and I'll be talking to Carmen Bon, a fiber artist and a creative entrepreneur who lives, works, and plays in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Her fiber art focuses on creating colorful and textural art yarn on one of her many spinning wheels, and then using those yarns to make freeform knit, crocheted objects and woven tapestries. She likes to reclaim and upcycle textures and household waste that otherwise would have ended in a landfill. She weaves literally the story of these things into her pieces, drawing attention to the issues of consumption and waste. Carmen officially launched her own small local creative art studio called Ply Studio, located in a sweet little neighborhood in Ottawa called New Edinburgh in January of 2021. There and online, she makes a range of creative art workshops, sometimes in collaborations with other makers and artists, with a mission to helping people to feel good by teaching them to make stuff by hand. She spends a good portion of her time when she isn't in her studio with her inspired husband, Chris, and her giggling girls, Evelie and Maven, usually on a ski hill in the winter or a nearby body of water in the summer. Hello and welcome to Carmen. How are you, Carmen? Hi, I'm very good, Naranjan. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to learn about the contrasting from going into a corporate space and doing the corporate world part of life to 100% creativity, tangible, creative aspects of life. Jumping right in. We are jumping right in because I want to be able to capture some of these really beautiful pieces of wisdom that you have you've learned from your own experiences and to be able to share them with others so they can recognize when corporate really doesn't fit anymore, but there's something intrinsically embedded within them that is nudging them to a complete different paradigm shift of life. Mm. So share with me your little bit of a journey on how that happened for you. Wonderful. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm glad for the question. And um, the, uh, the journey to this moment has been uh, one that has been um, very um, 
sort of up and down for me uh, as an individual and as someone that was involved, very involved in um, my corporate life and um, loved loved what I was doing um, and the values that I held uh, in my space in the corporate world were ones that were very closely aligned with my personal ones. So it was a really hard decision. Um, and so after um, a number of years of trying to figure out how to really bring my creative side um, more yeah. fully into my my day to day, um, I decided that um, I couldn't just sort of leave that piece of me till the evenings until after I'd put my children to bed. Right. So, um, so 15 years uh, of being in the corporate space for a particular organization and, and more, more before that, but after yeah. 15 years of that um, particular position where I was, you know, trying various things, doing different roles, trying to build things into that job mm -hmm. where I felt like maybe it will be okay if I actually do more of the learning design or go to more conferences or um, change up my position. Um, and it still wasn't enough. So um, I decided that I needed to embrace my courage and and leave it entirely. Um, so I did that uh, in January of 2021. Uh, so it was, a, it was a big decision and one that yes. I didn't take lightly. So I, I really struggled with it for a number of years. Um, yeah. But as soon as I had made the decision that it was indeed the way that I was going to go was to leave that job and start my own art studio, mm -hmm. um, I felt a weight lifting. Uh, mm -hmm. I felt that I had made the right decision, even though I really was not sure at the time that it was something that was financially savvy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, first, congratulations on making such a big decision. I mean, you've been with an organization for 15 years and built this career that you maybe have a love-hate relationship with, maybe a little more love than hate, but yet there's something else inside of you, that part-time, that sitting on the couch and relaxing part of yourself that wanted more of your time and attention, that wanted more of your space, which I think is really interesting and really possibly a nudge for others to say, when does that hobby, so to speak, transition into something much greater and how much more time and energy can I honor for that? Mm. So you took that as a really big leap is what I'm hearing and a courageous one, because there's a lot at stake. You, you've got a family and future goals, life plans, I would mm. imagine, would influence the decisions you make now Indeed. But what was that, what was that tipping point for you of going, okay, I really need to do this. I can't do another conference. I can't do another this, this, and this. This, this needs more time and energy. What was that? Um, gut. Um, I, I talk a lot about how um, I think we all inherently know what some of the right decisions might be in our lives. Um, I'm in my late 40s now, so I've had a lot of life experiences that has led me to this moment. Um, and also, I mean, making a decision to leave one's full-time job is not 
is not one for everyone. Um, I, I want to be clear about that. I think um, there were certain things that were lining up in my own life that allowed me to make that decision, probably with some more ease than others might be able to make that. Um, however, um, you mentioned, you know, the time sitting on the couch, sort of like enjoying the other outside of the corporate time. And I have to be honest is that there was no sitting on the couch time for me in all of mm. the years since my children were born, because those sitting on the couch times that other took to watch Netflix was my time to build my business. And right. so as I was working this day job and trying to figure out how to work myself out of the day job, yes. I was also trying to squeeze every bit of goodness out of the hours that were not the day job and that were not my children or my husband right. or any of the other activities that were involved in. So as you can imagine, um, when you sort of segment your day in such a way, you're left with very little time. And so for me, the squeeze was really that, that amount of time that I had to devote to developing my own creativity and uh, devoted to my own art. And then the development of a business beyond that was so small that I just knew that it was impossible for me to continue uh, working a full-time day job, more than a full-time day job, while also trying to see this vision come to life. Wow, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a huge investment. And a very strategic focused investment at that too. Because from what I'm hearing, the segmentation of how do I develop my creativity? How do I make sure it nourishes the parts of me that is seeking it? But also, how can I make it viable in a business that's going to work? That, that's a lot of planning. That's a lot of strategy. That's a lot of commitment that's involved to get to that space. So congratulations for that. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, again, um, I don't, um, I, I had a lot of sort of support along the way and I sought out a lot of support. So for those that are listening, they might be interested in knowing that, um, you know, even in those time periods where I was solidly doing something through my daytime hours, uh, I sought out a business coach. So I right. uh, was working with a coach for a few years before I actually quit the day job. So right. that helped me to develop my vision and plan to make it seem like it was more of a reality. Um, I also did a lot of um, um, online courses, uh, things like B-School through Marie Forio, Forleo and things like that, um, where I was, you know, again, seeking opportunity to really make the ideas that were churning in my head into something that I could potentially leave my salary in mm -hmm. order to build. So um, it wasn't just, you know, one day I decided um, this is happening. There were a succession of different things that I was doing and planning in order to make it seem a lot more tangible. Though when I finally stepped out and, um, and, and stepped into my studio, uh, it was the beginning of, you know, a different financial reality and a different day-to-day -day reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Such a contrast still, even with the planning involved and the support, like you said, that you had involved. It's still quite a stark contrast of how to be and how to navigate through that. I mean, how much more courageous can you get in opening a, an art studio right in the middle of this pandemic that shifted the entire world? 
So how courageous is that for you to start that? Um, I, I can appreciate that all around, um, you know, people are thinking that leaving the security of um, a position that I'd held for a long time um, and wandering into the unknown seems mm -hmm. outlandish. Uh, but the basis of uh, my studio, Ply Studio, is around creative wellness. And um, the, the impetus behind it has really been this notion that when we create with our hands, we feel better. And so no other time, I believe, in my life at least, has there been this intent uh, from so many uh, to to feel better, to really address their mental health. And one of the ways that I see that we can do that really positively is by using our creativity and trying to find something, anything that we can pick up uh, and create uh, with our hands. Right. So prior to you opening in the studio in 2021, mm -hmm. How long had you been in the space of the yarn world, so to speak, in that tangibility of working with your hands with different materials? How long had that been? Um, well, I, I'm not a person that grew up knitting beside my grandmothers. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, for me, I actually came to first knitting um, quite by not accident. My friend, one of my dear friends at the time was uh, sitting with me at Christmas and said, I really want you to learn how to knit. She was a, a lover of knitting, still is. And I looked at her sideways and said, no, thank you. Uh, and yet she still sort of dragged me to our local yarn shop here in Ottawa. And uh, we picked out a couple of supplies and she got me started. And I really didn't like it. And that was in 2005, late 2005. But I kept at it. Uh, and the way the story goes is that after a few weeks um, of a lot of really terrible knitting, I really started to turn the corner on it and I really enjoyed it. And then I became completely obsessed with it and I couldn't put it down. Mm. So over the next number of years, I would take my knitting with me sort of everywhere. Uh, if we were taking a car trip, um, if we were, you know, going anywhere where I knew I would be sitting for a period of time, I always had my knitting with me. Wow. And in fact, I would bring my knitting to the office. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were many days where at lunch, I would bring my knitting into the lunchroom. Mm -hmm. And a couple of times, my director at the time decided he would stop and sort of watch what I was doing. And then one day he said, Carmen, do you want a spinning wheel? And I said, a spinning wheel? Why would I want a spinning wheel? And mm. he said, well, I see that you love to knit, so perhaps you'd like to make your own yarn. Right. And I objected to it, just like I had done with knitting. I said, yes. no, thank you. And yeah. so eventually he said, you know, my wife really doesn't use it anymore. We'd like to get rid of it. Why don't you come over and have a glass of wine and you can just take it home with you? And so I said, yeah, I'll come over for a glass of wine. So I went and I, I picked it up and it was actually quite a cute little wheel that I still have. Yeah. And uh, so I brought it back with me and I looked at it for years. Um, it sat in the corner of my living room. I couldn't quite figure out what to do with it or why I would use it. I still enjoyed just knitting. Right. And in that time period, I had my first daughter 
And while I was on maternity leave with her one day, I was sitting and looking at it and I said, I have to learn how to use it. So I took a, um, a workshop at our local mm -hmm. guild. And after that, just like with knitting, I was completely, completely taken by it. Mm -hmm. um, I could not stop spinning yarn. I thought it was wow. the most amazing, meditational, transformational yes. um, thing that I had done. So, um, so at that point, um, I thought, hmm, okay, I am making so much yarn, I have to now figure out what to do with this yarn. So I started right. uh, selling it. Um, I would go to craft shows, I had a, a small website, um, things like that. And eventually, I decided that I could not even sell it fast enough. And so someone said to me, why don't you weave? <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a long story. This is, this okay. is the fiber train. This is um, beautiful, yes. So, so the weaving, um, I'm sure you can imagine what my reaction was to someone asking me if I wanted to weave. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so one day I decided... Um, okay, well, maybe weaving has some merit because I can use my hand-spun yarn in the, in my weavings. Right. So I pounded a bunch of nails into a picture frame because that mm -hmm. was a very crude way to make a weaving loom. And I started to learn, teach myself how to weave. And I, once again, was taken by it and decided yeah. at that point that my brother, who is a very accomplished woodworking um, master out in Saskatchewan, I asked him if he would help to create some weaving looms for me. Nice. So he and I started to collaborate on the development of some weaving looms. And, um, and then everything, I just, uh, any type of fiber related craft or art, I started to dabble in. And at that point, uh, it was really this feeling every time I would sit down to any of these beautiful tactile, colorful, textural, um, art forms, I kept saying to anybody who would listen to me, <laughs> you should try this. It would really like just sit with me, I'll teach you how. And so I started to teach basically everybody, <laughs> anybody wow. that would, what nice. I was doing, and I would talk about it. And that was when really the notion of uh, creative wellness, uh, and developing workshops that really were trying to encourage people to do something with their hands to feel better came about. I mean, wow. this is not, this is not new yes. uh, in terms of, you know, art therapy uh, and just being well through, through the, through the notion of craft. But for me, I suddenly started to think, okay, this way I feel and the way that I can passionately bring myself to what I'm doing and then show others how to do that. There's something in this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What a story. What a beautiful story. Thank you. It really is because it's, it's the classic part of life, right? What's innate within us, we don't see it for ourselves, but somehow mm -hmm. other people see it within us. So when they nudge it and present it to us, we're like, I don't want to get involved with that. That's not my thing. There's, there's an element of a resistance that happens because it's so innate. Even though we may not have done it or tried it, there's an intrinsic part within us that goes, oh, yeah, we're going to resist a portion of it because of we don't give it the value that, that it deserves, which 
can take the conversation down a whole different road, but I want to ask you now, fast forward in what you've learned and what you've been through. Do you feel like this is a calling for you? I do, uh, very much so. Um, and one that I, I think I resisted actually for many years. Um, I, in my own mind, had always thought artists were people that used paint uh, and used yeah. um, different writing implements. Those were artists to me. And I actually did practice that type of art most of my life um, and had always figured that that was where I would fall in um, right. because I had always hoped that art would play a bigger role in my life. Yes. In terms of um, where I've, you know, actually ended up as a fiber artist um, and more so than ever owning a place in that sphere that I was so worried about. Um, perhaps it's that imposter syndrome that people talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. so so worried about even stating that this was the art that i make and this is how i do it uh i'm not worried about those things anymore uh i do feel that this is a calling i feel that especially especially uh, my ability to mesh the passion that i feel for texture and um, textiles and, and fiber with my ability to create workshops and events and retreats that people really enjoy. My, my background is as a learning designer. So in my corporate life, um, I'm a, I was an, was, is, I guess, an <laughs> urban planner slash learning designer. So mm -hmm. for me, it's always been important to be able to translate what it is that we know into something that other people can grasp and then learn from. And so it is natural for me to want to display and show what I do with an element of how another person can do it too. So, so I do feel that um, I give a lot of respect to the fact that not only do I love something, but I love showing what I do and how I do it to others. Absolutely. What a gift. It really is because... I think that there are many people who have gifts and talents and skills that they've either learned or developed that they utilize and the other person uses as a consumer. They just consume that. And that's completely fine. That's great. And there are others who say, yes, you can consume it, but I want to teach you how to consume it. So you can be it pay it forward or gain the, the love and the passion that I have from teaching you so you can embody that too, which mm -hmm. is a huge gift in itself too, right? And it's been fun actually um, working with other makers and artists to try to encourage that out of them as well. Uh, what I've realized since I opened the studio is that there are um, a lot of really talented people around me that do amazing things, but either don't know how to teach others how to do it or feel that they don't have the skill to mm -hmm. 
translate that to other people. So part of um, part of my hope for the studio is that this becomes a place where makers and artists feel comfortable to share their craft and their art with others as well, with me supporting them through that process, both through the form of a physical space, but also through my skill and expertise in, in learning uh, and designing. Beautiful. Yes, mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. So from that space in where you are, what do you feel are some of the attributes that really connect you to your purpose? Navigating that own creative space and learning and expanding further for yourself. Yeah. Curiosity, of course, uh, is something uh, that plays a critical role in how I approach my own art making process, as well as uh, what I sort of expect uh, in the events and workshops that take place here is really that um, curiosity, exploring curiosity and um, experimentation. I actually have a manifesto that I wrote a couple of years ago. It's on my blog on my website, and I refer back to it quite a lot because, uh, and I update it every now and again because I believe that it encapsulates um, the intention behind owning a studio space. Because let's face it, having a, a bricks and mortar anything right now is is difficult. Uh, difficult right. to maintain, difficult to get people to come to. The pandemic has not been kind yes. uh, in terms of open, closed, open, closed. That's right. One of the things that I'm really learning, um, I guess, as a, a really new business owner is to not compare myself uh, at this mm -hmm. stage in my business journey to those that are further along. Yes. Uh, that's been that's been hard for me because social media again is not it's not an easy platform to first of all learn mm -hmm. and then to watch others that seem to be excelling at it. Mm -hmm. um, so as a as a business um, that's really um, trying to generate interest in a time period where there are not gatherings and there are not people getting together and sharing information. One of the only forms of information that we've really had is through the digital. Right. So, um, so for me, it's been, it's been important to sort of maintain a sense of what my purpose and passion is, what I'm trying to do and keep showing up every day and doing that and not getting too far ahead of myself. Right. And recognizing as well that it's okay that um, what I'm doing right now is small uh, and that um, small can be really great. And in fact, small is uh, something that over the last year, I think I feel very fortunate because if I had launched and had uh, too much going on mm -hmm. in the first year, how do you handle that as a new business owner? really difficult mm -hmm. to build systems and policies and um, right. maintain everything when you grow too fast. So, yeah. so really one of my friends said a little while ago, it's like I've been in soft launch mode since the yeah. beginning of the studio. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that is true. Um, so that's to me an important thing to keep in mind. And I think it's mm -hmm. all about perspective really. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And then maybe, you know, again, just a focus in terms of attributes, a focus on sharing. I'm finding that as a new business owner and as an artist, 
uh, for me, one of my values is to be able to share. And I appreciate when others share with me. Uh, and I realize in this world that there seems to be a lot of a feeling that if we share too much, someone might steal from us or they might do what we're doing or mm -hmm. take away from what we are doing. And I truly feel that there is enough room for all of us. So, so my feeling is that the more that we can share with others, whether it's our business journey or creative journey or, or anything really on a humanizing scale, the better we will be. I completely agree with the portion about the values of being a business owner and wanting to be open to be sharing with others, but have that reciprocated. Mm -hmm. Having been in the space of entrepreneurship for many years, I've seen that time and time again with other individuals. But I guess my take on that is that's based on their journey of evolution mm -hmm. and growth and expansion. So that's a testament to the human being you are in terms of offering and sharing what you know with others and to be in a space to not only share it, but teach you. Mm -hmm. So I commend you for that, especially coming into the world of entrepreneurship, very new. Mm -hmm. But in the same token, the value of that goes beyond the ego. And it goes way beyond that space of the intention of what is it I'm here to do? And why is it that I'm doing this path versus something else? which is all that you have shared so beautifully. But my take on that is much deeper because when you share the title or the words that you bring together of a fiber artist, I not only see that from the perspective of the fiber as in the wool or whatever that is, but I also see it knitting together physical communities even though you're doing it on a virtual scale because yes the pandemic we're on one minute and we're off the next we don't know what side is up to a certain degree from that space but the premise of what i'm hearing from you of the fibered being of who we are as human beings is where the knitting together needs to happen correct it's an interesting, it's interesting that the metaphors that seem to come to mind always in my story are all fiber related around weaving a story or spinning a tale or uh, knitting together a community. Um, it is true. Um, it is to me the essence of perhaps what I've been called to do, uh, whether it is in a virtual way uh, or hopefully more so in person as we go forward now. Even though you stress that it's a small community and a small business that you've built so far, the implications and the beautiful impact that you're having on even that small community and the premise of how you're building it, of I teach you and you will hopefully maybe be inspired to teach others, will have a much larger ripple effect than let's say you have, I don't know, a large, your version of a large studio, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. So the magnitude of small, large 
it's the intention and the heartfeltness, the compassion and the different part of yourself, I want to say mothering, nurturing, creative aspect of you is what's rippling out and I think is a huge missing part of what we are in the world today. That's such a lovely way to put it. Um, I feel that um, if we could all just see ourselves as a ripple or part of the start for a, a set of yeah. ripples in the water, I think we would be in a better place. I feel that uh, sometimes my messaging seems so small and so local uh, and that uh, it doesn't seem like it would make much of a difference to anybody beyond the Ottawa Valley where, where I live. Right. But the reality and the feeling that I get right now is that we have a chance, uh, regardless of where we sit in the world and how we, we bring ourselves, is to uh, inform someone's perspective on something more positive in their day. So whether someone lives anywhere near me, they can still sort of see some of my messaging and feel like that they could get behind it or that it might make them smile in some way. And that makes me feel good. Um, so I feel like that's part of my every day as I walk into my studio and, and tell myself, just keep showing up. Um, that That is the thing that, that drives me at this point. Absolutely. I can't emphasize enough of your messaging that you share it isn't really small because what are the chances you live in Ottawa I live in Toronto what are the chances of us getting together with from your small your words small messaging mm -hmm. the ripple effects are huge mm -hmm. it's the intention behind it that can have a greater impact and I think collectively as the world is changing we're welcoming that space more I want to say as women or as creative beings let's put mm -hmm. it that way I believe that I see the shift I feel the shift mm -hmm. and I know you feel it because without this sounding too cliche I can sense that it's in the core of your fiber being <laughs> it really is, you know, weaving together this beautiful part of who you are. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. We've touched on so many different parts, but the bigger question is, where do we go from here? What's next for Carmen and Ply Studio? Mm. Well, I have a lot of interests, ideas, um, I don't lack for thoughts on what to do next. It's really the, I guess, people power <laughs> to do it yeah. as a solo printer. For me, designing and delivering true learning experiences, things that might be transformational to people is really where I hope to continue to build uh, and excel. So at this point, a lot of the programming um, and things that I do are really based on um, a single point in time. And what I'd love to see is there being an opportunity to build better relationships with people that are truly interested and invested in following a path to wellness that involves creativity. And so using my space uh, as a place to collaborate with other makers and artists to, if you will, mash up our art forms to create mm -hmm. some really 
really cool things is one thing and then to help bring other people in to get excited about that um, as an ongoing dialogue. Uh, so the way that I see that taking shape is uh, retreats, um, conferences, uh, different types of experiences that are, I think, longer than, you know, a typical workshop here is two to two to four hours. So I'd love to see more of a relationship being built. And then I would like to, um, and this has been hard as a, as a new business owner, is developing my own art over the last year. It is something that I obviously speak about uh, as being the basis for anybody's wellness. So I need to make more time for it. And so um, I have all kinds of ideas for what I want to create. Um, I just need to make sure that I put my own creative wellness in my calendar on a more regular basis. Absolutely. So going forward, I think that my own experimentation and ability to deliver really excellent experiences and really exciting things is going to be um, balanced on my ability to give time to myself to make art. Beautiful. I'm excited to see what's going to come up. What will show up for you in your own creative endeavors, in your own opportunities of expansion? in who you are so you can ripple that out to others. Yeah. Um, I'm curious and, I, and I'm excited for you. I really am. Thank I'm you. excited to, to where that's going to lead. I'm excited for it too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for taking time to share with us your wisdom and your journey and experiences from resisting a conversation about knitting to the resistance of taking home a spinning wheel, I'm excited to see where the next fibrous parts of you are gonna be spun to, to other people. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Naranjan. I'm Naranjan, and you've been listening to Master of Your Crafts podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and join me next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.